This pizza is based off a uh, pizza place in what's called Mystic Connecticut. And it's a pizza place called A Slice of Heaven. Now, Julia Roberts stars in this particular film called Mystic Pizza. It's like pizza in Mystic Connecticut. Steve was saying that uh, if we want to use our lighters on the microphone, we should make sure we do it like right into the microphone so you can get it clearly. Yeah. If it doesn't work, just like make sure you click it a couple times because it might just be low on gas. Yeah. But you know, <laughs> you might be able to get what's at the bottom. Mm-hmm. So you guys got good notes on this one? Yeah, I think so. I uh, I'm excited about what I've I, I've laid out a, a case here that I'm excited. Take a look at this. Ooh, wow, that's quite a case. You are uh. <laughs> I'm excited. I'm excited for this. On the, uh, you were on the. Uh, yeah, I don't want to spoil it. Yeah, I didn't quite I go into that it. depth, but I did have like a branching note right here. Uh, yeah, like yeah. a choose your own adventure style note. No, not not even. <laughs> <laughs> what was the uh, idea you had earlier, Holford, for uh, the the noir? Oh yeah, so I got this idea for a hard boiled detective novel. The opening line of which is. Uh, this city sucks. It was dark and hot. And also it's full of garbage. <laughs> you know, this real hard-boiled kind of stuff. Yeah, man. Yeah. I have to go find this person. And I don't know who this person is. <laughs> it's going to suck. It could be anywhere. <laughs> it could be anywhere. <laughs> man, I, It's my job to find people, though. God, because I'm, I'm a detective. I really don't want to find this person, but I'm getting paid to, so I might as well. <laughs> it's like me at work every day. Yeah, right? Minus the finding people, but just... Oh, that's, <laughs> that's a description of any job. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah, what, what are they paying you for? To enjoy your time? <laughs> no thanks. What's the worst job you ever had, Windsor? I worked in a t-shirt printing factory uh, one time, and it was like a, it was like a really large-scale uh, like operation, but there were only like eight or so people who actually did it uh-huh. so it was like a bunch of really grumpy older people who had like been doing it for like 15 years and i always begged like i, I wanted to ask all of them individually why are you still here because you obviously hate your job you hate yourself you hate me <laughs> it's like why what are you still doing at this company i just up and left that job one day mm-hmm. because uh they wanted to like uh after my lunch break they wanted to train me to do more things and like not pay me more, they just wanted to they wanted me to do more in the company. They wanted to pay you, but in responsibilities. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh like the guy was like kind of pre-training me before lunch and then there was gonna be a lunch break and then I would have to come back and be like really hardcore trained mm-hmm. on this like new uh, you know, 
it was all about like tweaking the machines and making making sure they were like lined up right. But it was mostly the people there that was the problem. Yeah, it was the people there that was the problem. So this guy said like after lunch I'm gonna train you more and like my immediately my immediate thought was uh, no you're not because I'm not gonna be here after lunch. (laughs) (laughs) And that was my last day at that job. How about you, Marshall? Uh, I got a job a few years ago at a company. Uh, I was not qualified for this job when I went to the interview, but I told them I was, and because they thought I was, I wasn't trained at all. Mm-hmm. And so for a, the year and a half that I faked it there, it was just anxiety every day, like that they were going to catch on. And then they did. You're like, mm-hmm. sure, I know lots about pediatric surgery. Yeah. You know. <laughs> give, me, give me a knife, nurse, man. <laughs> right? <laughs> Am I right? No, it was it was honestly though it was anxiety every day. Like they're gonna find out because I didn't do work for a year and a half there. Yeah, <laughs> I was yeah. I was on the books. I was the opposite of Milton from uh, Office Space. Ooh. Like <laughs> I was the error that they had to fix, and then they fixed it. <laughs> I hope you, there was a lot of just like hiding to make sure that nobody. Oh, like, I was away from my desk all the time. Yeah. Oh yeah. I had, actually had a job like that for like three and a half years. I was uh, I was a construction inspector. <laughs> and I would uh, so like um, like before they could pour concrete, it had the concrete had to be inspected. So you need like a concrete tester to step in and make sure the concrete is okay. Uh, and do you think for three and a half years I knew how to do that? Because <laughs> you'd be wrong. If you I did. <laughs> so I was always like uh, like late nights at like the airports, so, like on the runways and stuff. I was like I like I built the runways. Uh-huh, sort of. <laughs> yeah, sort of. Like, you supervised They the wouldn't have been built without me. Right. But uh, <laughs> do you think I know how to build runways? <laughs> Absolutely not. Sorry. I mean, don't, don't arrest me for that. <laughs> for me, uh, the, real, the real worst was I worked as a dishwasher at Jiminy Cricket's Magical Pizzeria. Uh, yeah, that's where I work uh, now. For uh, about a week. And, yeah. and then I just up and vanished. But the more interesting answer to this is... Uh, my very first job uh, in high school, I, I was a se- I, I had seasonal employment at Toys R Us, and I've heard some people had fun at Toys R Us working there. But like Windsor, you were like a manager of a Toys R Us for a little while, right? Yeah, yeah, I was a assistant manager of a Toys R Us Express uh, in the Grand Rum Mall. Which That's is, kind of like a Toys R Us, which is gone now. And uh, <laughs> they made me assistant manager at that job. It was like it was like kind of like. Was, they made me assistant manager at this job, and then like a month later, they were like, "Oh, by the way, the store's closing." <laughs> so I think what their plan was there was to like put me in charge, and then I would be in charge of like closing up the Toys R Us. You were a scapegoat while they were like away, you know, at another Toys R Us, like being like, "Whew, you know, solve that problem." Got out of there just in the nick of time. <laughs> I told that guy he was assistant manager. <laughs> well, I worked when I worked at Toys R Us. My job was to stand around the children's DVD section. Mm-hmm. And uh, theoretically help people out, but nobody needs help in the children's DVD section because nobody is looking for a specific thing, you know. Like nobody's like, "Oh, can you direct me to where Land Before Time Five is?" You know, no, they just like let their kids out, and uh, you know, like it's they... right here within arm's reach. Here you go, Land Before Time Five. <laughs> And and so what I would do, because nobody ever needed help, was I would occupy my time alphabetizing the section, which was just like a Sisyphean task, because like every time I would come there, it would just be like less alphabetized than it was when I left. And uh, I, I, got, I was doing it so much that my nickname there became uh, Video Shuffle. 
people started calling me yo video shuffle uh and then uh and i thought i had always assumed it was the kids that the kids were just running up and like just scrambling them all up and stuff but then one day i worked a later shift than i usually did i was like working closing shift and somebody came out to restock the dvds with like the latest mary kate and ashley movie or whatever uh-huh. and they took they had a shopping cart just full of these things and they just took out armfuls and just spread it over the oh other DVDs that oh, were already man. there. And I was like, it was an inside they're like, job. They're was... like, take that video shuffle. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the other thing, I, I, we would break street date all the time. I would always just like uh, notice that. I'm like, this isn't supposed to be out for like several weeks. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, you like broke embargoes. Yeah, but I mean, you know, it was so unorganized that like... I don't know. They just weren't keeping track of that stuff, even remotely. Yeah. You know? Uh, but uh, but then they moved me to the children's instrument section, and that was a lot more fun, because I would just stand there playing this little miniature accordion all day. <laughs> Got pretty good at it. Know what, I, uh, know what I realized about working at a Toys R Us and like going to the children's instrument section? Uh, like, children's ukuleles are just ukuleles. <laughs> like they're they they are they're like yeah. pretty professionally made ukuleles. They're not even smaller ukuleles. No, no, but it'll say on the box like child's guitar or something or like fun sized guitar. But it was just like a pretty good ukulele. So I would always I would just take them out of the box and like play them and stuff. Like I didn't care. Like nobody was buying them so I might as well use them. And you're the assistant manager. Who's you know, I yell also at you? used to yeah. work at a toy store, but it wasn't a Toys R Us. Yeah. yeah. I worked in a in Philadelphia at a place that doesn't exist anymore. That uh, we didn't sell any electronic toys. Like that was the whole thing. It was like unplugged. Oh, it was uh, like a semi-educational kind of like kind of kind of. Did you have wooden just, toys? It was like mostly wooden and crafts and stuff. Did you have uh, puzzles? Yeah, lots and yeah. lots of puzzles. It's like that toy store from Small Soldiers. But it was it was <laughs> during that? the time <laughs> I do. It was the time that uh, those f- stupid shaped. Rubber bracelets were a thing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Those were our biggest seller. We would be getting what were those called like thousands and thousands or something. No, those no, like the ones that were. Are you talking like about a, like the Livestrong ones? No, no, no. no the ones that like, like, looked like a. It would look like a zebra. Yeah, and then you would stretch it out on your wrist, and then it would just be a rubber band. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But when you took it off, it was a zebra. Yeah, it was a shaped rubber band. Oh, it was okay. the stupidest thing ever. We had yeah. thousands of them pass um. through us. Well, now we have... Uh... Here's a fun story. Because this place doesn't exist anymore, I have no problem telling this. I used to have to add inventory to their website and add the descriptions for the items. And so sometimes I would add hidden words. <laughs> Lando Calrissian showed up 300 times on their store site. So if you search Lando Calrissian, you got like a whole list of stupid stuff. And I would also put... I put this on a lot of ones, too. Not a racist toy. <laughs> <laughs> Fun for all races. Yeah. Not a racist toy. And I uh, never got caught there. When I first started working at Toys R Us, uh, like I said, I was a seasonal employee. <laughs> and so the seasonal employee uniform was just like, here's a vest. Right? And so you'd put this vest on. And they took the vest out of a box. These were like previously used vests. I'd started working <laughs> in like, I don't know, September, October, whenever seasonal employment would start. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I threw the thing on and I reached in the pocket of the vest and I was like, ooh, a Christmas cookie. And then I was like, wait, it's like October. And then, <laughs> And you ate it. Yeah. And uh, also, uh, what was the other thing? Oh, the first aid kit, which 
half the training was just like, if you got injured, go to the first aid kit. Like, that was like ha- literally half the training. You open it up and there's like a squeaky hammer in there. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> um, literally, I was, I was on break in the break room and somebody uh, apparently who was working in the bicycle section had gotten run down by a kid on a bike. Oh, no. And had got this huge gash in his arm. So, like, you know, my training comes like, <laughs> right in, and I reach over and grab the first aid box, open it up, and it was just full of candy canes. No way! Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, and then we just stood there. How appropriate. Yeah, it was, and then my break was over. I didn't see what happened to that guy. I, I assume he bled to death. <laughs> His body lays there today. Yeah. It's like something they would have in like the the the, the first aid kits at Hogwarts. Uh-huh. <laughs> like you open it's them just up full and of chocolate frogs. Yeah, it's <laughs> like chocolate will heal you right up. <laughs> <laughs> this is the Mystic Pizza minute. Yeah, yeah. This is not the Toys R Us minute, uh, but you know, uh, like we've been talking about for the te- past ten minutes, this is Mystic Pizza minute, everybody. Yep, and it's our thirtieth anniversary special. It's the thirtieth minute. Hey, happy thirtieth. Happy anniversary, guys. Man, did you think that we would be here on our first episode 30 episodes later? <laughs> yes. Still talking about Mystic Pizza? Yes, because I stick to my guns. Yep, yep. Anyway, I'm David Holford. I'm John Windsor. And with us again, we have... Marshall Bruno. Thank Marshall, you, Marshall. Thank you for coming back. Um, Thanks for having me. Yeah, this is minute 30 of the 1988 classic Mystic Pizza starring Julia Roberts, Lily America's Taylor. Sweetheart. Julia Roberts. Uh, future guest of Mystic Pizza Minute, Annabeth Gish, and uh, Vincent D'Onofrio. And Stone Cold Fox, Vincent D'Onofrio. Stone Cold Beast of a Man, yeah. Vincent D'Onofrio. It was just his birthday. Oh, yeah. Happy birthday, Vince. Uh, you know, happy birthday a month ago when this episode comes out. But, you know, I, I, I wished him well. He, he got back to me. He was like, thanks, John Windsor, host of Mystic Pizza Minute. See, Ooh. You, on, see you on your show Ooh, soon. Cool. That's awesome. And I was like, cool, Vinny D, because I can call him Vinny D now because we're on that kind of basis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, yeah we, we, we have some good times. Nice. That's cute. So uh, in this minute, uh, it's basically a joyride. In the last minute, uh, Daisy was basically forced into going on to a date with Charlie, who just showed up at her house. Uh, so she runs upstairs, and then this minute starts with her uh, reappearing outside in a... That dress that she bought earlier, the fancy dress that she's going to return. Yeah, she was wearing that uh, the dress with like the giant bow on like the, over the chest of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, they get into his red sports car, which is a, an oft discussed topic on this show. Ever since it showed up in like minute six or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that car is a character. Yeah, practically. We should. I can't wait to find out what that car is named. Yeah, I wonder what kind of voice it has. <laughs> It's just like Lightning McQueen. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Wilson. And then they, they cruise around Mystic, they go over a bridge, and then he gets a flat tire, uh, and he's all, like, standing next to it, and she's like, well, go get the spare. And he's like, that is the spare. And then he kind of laughs. She doesn't seem amused by it at all. Uh, and then they're out, like, hitchhiking. He laughs, like, maniacally, too. Like, yeah, I wrote that maniacally that is well. a That is, like, a man-we-are-screwed kind of laugh. Uh-huh. And then she just has this icy stare. Like, I'm not sure if you guys noticed that when he was laughing. She's no. off in the background, just staring off into the middle distance. Yeah, she does not find that funny. And then, uh, so, cut to uh, him, like, sticking his thumb up, you know, as a, as a car drives by. I think it was, like, a red Volkswagen that drive, drive by. And, um, like a, a very cube car, but not like 
a Scion cube car, but like the original. Yeah, it was like an the old OG cube old cars. like boxy cabrio or like a, a rabbit. tiny Oldsmobile or an old Toyota. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, Charlie <laughs> and Daisy are hitchhiking now because they got a flat tire. Mm-hmm. And is is that the end of the? the That's the end of the minute. There's uh, some music over it. Yeah. The, yeah. The, the car drives by like it doesn't pick him up, so Charlie pretends to shoot it. Mm-hmm. Like it's like his hand is a gun, and uh, yeah, this whole time um, there's like some kind of like jazzy saxophone music playing with it's, some piano too. Yeah. Or was that sex? Yeah, no. And I was uh, like, you can't find that. Uh, like, it's 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 music for the movie, but it's not made by David McHugh, who does the music for this movie. Oh, it's not? Why? Did your thing identify it? Uh, no, but I looked it up, and I, I think this song is called Joyride, because, oh, you know, because I put Joyride. two and two together, yep. and they're on a joyride, and there's a song on the soundtrack called Joyride, and it's, yeah, it's like this jazzy saxophone song. But David McHugh did not write uh, Joyride. It was um it was by the people who did the song Serious, uh, oh. from the bar scene. Uh, so Serious was by Steve Tyrell, and I guess his wife Stephanie Tyrell, mm-hmm. and it was written of by the, the Ashley Hall of the Tyrell Corporation. You know, more human than human. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so Joyride was by Stephanie Tyrell. Steve Tyrell doesn't isn't in it. I guess he sang Sirius, that's why he was like top billed for Sirius, but Joyride is by Stephanie Hall and written by Ashley Hall. So uh, Ashley Hall and the Tyrells are kind of like the secondary uh, music makers for the movie Mystic Pizza. Hmm. Maybe, maybe uh, what's the name of the, the main music guy, theoretically? David McHugh. So maybe he, he's more like a music supervisor. Like, you know how there's there was a dude that would pick out the music for like Wes Anderson movies? Yeah. Well, like, but he, like, well, and then he also did the uh, original music for it. I'm, of course, talking about the guy from Devo. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Mark Mothersbaugh. Mark, Mark Mothersbaugh. Maybe that was partially his job here. Maybe he hired the Tyrells, you know. He was yeah. like, have I got the perfect, like, generic 80s-sounding people for you? Yeah. My neighbors are a band. <laughs> their husband and wife band with their friend Ashley Hall. <laughs> but, um... Yeah, I think David David McHugh does the uh, the mandolin theme in the beginning, oh. and the mandolin theme throughout. I'm pretty sure because we mm-hmm. heard that again, and I'm guessing we're going to hear the mandolin theme again. So David McHugh, yeah, he's like the, the the music supervisor, and you know he's music by David McHugh, but uh, the Tyrells <laughs> did the song Joyride. I was just wondering how long this is going <laughs> to. Uh, I can tell you so much more about these Tyrells; it'll blow your mind. Um, I also have written down that you get a good look at the uh, the waterfront outside the front of Daisy's house here, which you kind of see through the window in previous episodes. Mm. Seems like a nice place. Surrounded on one side by train tracks and on the other side by a river. So yeah, it's the uh, it's the Mystic River, and um, so yeah, they're driving around her neighborhood, and then they cross the uh, Mystic River Bascule Bridge. Ooh, you looked that up? Didn't yeah, you? yeah, it's it's almost a famous. It's like a drawbridge, like a bascule. I think that's how you pronounce it, bascule. Uh, bascule basically means drawbridge, and um, so they have this drawbridge in Mystic. And uh, if you look on, you know, like there's a lot of like Instagram. I've been looking at a lot of Instagram pictures from Mystic, Connecticut, oh, yeah. and it's all there's a whole lot of people standing on this bridge because it has like Mystic written uh, on it and oh. like and like white paint. You know, so it's kind of like uh, you know, it's famous to the area. This it's bridge. like the 69th Street Bridge, where it yeah. has the big six nine on it. Yeah. Exactly. So, you know, when people are touring 69th Street, that's what they take a picture in front of. Because God... <laughs> and then they're like, 
snickering and pointing at it. Yeah. They're like, 69, get it? <laughs> That's the caption. Oh, no, bad. Dude, please don't tour 69th Street. No, no, no. Unless you like panhandlers. Yeah, or like uh, theaters where you can eat at. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, well, uh, I have this thing written out here, uh, which is that Charlie is a murderer. Ooh. And I've uh, written out a bunch of evidence. I'm thinking that Charlie is a serial murderer because there's just a bunch of suspicious stuff that happens in this. Yeah. Like, first off, the tire situation. Super suspicious. Like, they're on a deserted road, and then suddenly on his nice car, the tire just goes out, and he doesn't have a spare. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, they're driving through, like, a forest road. And then he, like, maniacally laughs at that. He's all like, ah, ha, ha, you've fallen into my trap. Right, well, he could also just be on a lot of cocaine. Yeah, but why can't you be both? Why can't you be a murderer who is on a lot of cocaine? Yeah, the cocaine fuels the murder. Yeah, yeah like, uh, like, like what's-his-face in American Psycho? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he found Daisy mysteriously, didn't explain his methods, right? He's just, like, shows up one day. Like, who did he have to kill to get that information? Yeah. Uh, also, where did his girlfriend go? Yeah, she's been missing. That is true. He did have a girlfriend at the, the bar scene. And then also, he, uh, I said in this minute, he becomes a hitchhiker, which is a classic murderer occupation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and then he finger shoots the passing car. Yeah. Like, he, because, you know, he has anger issues. Yeah, he's like marking that car. He, like, yeah, he's he like, scanned the license plate and he's just like, boom, that person's dead. And he's thinking, <laughs> if only I had the internet, I could look them up. <laughs> <laughs> he's got ways. He and found Daisy. He's got ways. And then my last one, I just wrote, run, Daisy, run. <laughs> Get away from Charlie. Yeah. As quick as you possibly can. Because he's going to murder you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're they're just in this like the middle of this forest. and uh... I mean, I really would be suspicious if I was Daisy in this case. Because, like, from her point of view, this guy just shows up. Mm-hmm. And then he takes her in the car. And then they're broken down. Yeah. This guy not only shows up, but he, like, comes into their house and, like, sits on the, the chair with their mom. Uh-huh. I feel like with the showing up thing, though, like, that is a thing that just happened then. Like because yeah. phones weren't like you didn't have cell phones you didn't you didn't have Facebook so if you found out where someone was or lived and you wanted to go find them you went to their house yeah. and if their nice Catholic mother was uh, sees a you know a blonde haired blue eyed white man at the door she invites him in for lobster <laughs> yeah yeah. Uh, I hope she invited him and that wasn't some sort of like hostage situation. We were yeah, right? He's Maybe that's like, why she needed a drink. I'm entering your house. And she's like, no, you can't. And he's like, I'm going to anyway because I'm a serial killer. Yeah, Daisy, your mom was just held captive. Go get her some gin. <laughs> <laughs> your mom needs a drink. <laughs> uh, okay, so beyond, uh, beyond being a murderer, do you guys even like Charlie? Does he seem like a No, not at all. I wouldn't say I hate Charlie Although right now. Although, to be fair, I don't think Daisy seems like that likable of a character. Daisy is kind of nice. She's kind of mean. You know, she's really mean to her sister. She's mean to herself. She's mean to herself. Oof, and, uh, yeah, Charlie's just kind of, like, blah so far. Like, okay, he's rich, but that's not a character trait. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, like, so far, all of the non-rich things just seem like red flags, honestly. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sweats a lot, probably got a cocaine problem. Mm-hmm. Now he's going to get Daisy into coke. Doesn't replace his spare tires? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's worse? Like, you know, what are you just doing around, driving around in a spare tire? Spare tire isn't a real tire. Yeah, if you've got a Porsche. It was a real tire, though. If maybe, you've got maybe a Porsche, Porsche just have yeah, spare yeah, real do, tires. 
If you, uh, this uh, kind of tells you something. If you have a Porsche and you're driving on a spare tire with your Porsche, it kind of means that you're, he, Charlie might be a little bit like fake rich, uh -huh. like we were saying earlier. Like he's like, he has a Porsche because he's pretending to be a rich person. Hmm. So he can't replace the tire on the Porsche because he bought the Porsche. And then she puts on this dress that she can't afford and is also sort of pretending to be not a rich person, but a person living beyond her means. Mm -hmm. I say I don't like that dress at all. Yeah, it's a... Uh, that big bow is... It's very of its era. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So is her hair in every scene. Like, if that dress had shoulders, if it wasn't a shoulderless, strapless kind of dress, I bet those shoulders would just be, like, out to here. Yeah, yeah, like big old Klaus Nomi shoulders. Yeah, she'd just be like a triangle with legs. <laughs> it's my favorite type of woman. <laughs> yeah, but I, I think we've, we've, we've said this before, but, like, um, like maybe they're both fakers, mm -hmm. like, in a way, you know, like, and that would make them more perfect for each other than it seems like they are now, because it doesn't... You know, they're just kind of like blah together at the moment. But if there's this big reveal that he's like a faker and she's okay with it because she's like, you know, so am I. You know, that gives them something. That That's where the romance would be. Yeah, yeah. Although, just because they're both unlikable, it's for different reasons. And, uh, well, not like you guys are saying for different reasons, actually. But uh, I, at least in my short time seeing this, I don't like them for different reasons. I think I think Charlie's going to be like an antagonist and Daisy will not. I'm still kind of operating I think that like maybe none of these couples are going to be together by the end of this movie. Yeah, and they're just going to kind of realize that they have each other and they have their pizza place and that's like, all they maybe need. Maybe Bill and Joe make it. Yeah, Bill and Joe I think are going to make it because they kind of broke up already and the rest of the movie is going to be them getting back together. Now, Daisy and Kat's story they just met their men, and their men are very questionable. And one a lot of them in the is same married. Ways. One of them is married. Uh, the other one might have a coke problem. They both might just be like the world's most horrendous liars. Uh -huh. Like, what if they know each other and they're just like, "Oh hey, my god, do, do you want to like, uh, do you want to like, uh, you know, catfish these like sisters?" Well, I don't think it's catfishing if it's done in person. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> it's but it's like leading on, you know. Sure. Sure. So, like, they're, they're both kind of leading on, like, Kat's being led on by this, like, uh, father type who's, like, into, like, the same kind of stuff that she is. Mm -hmm. And Daisy's being, like, led on by this rich person who rich might not boy. be a rich person and might also be, like, a flaming liar. Uh -huh. But, um, you know, and uh, Kat and Daisy are at, like, each other's throats the whole time. So I think they're both going to be let down by their men and they're going to find each other in the process and be like, we love each other as sisters, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So that might be their arc. That, that brings up, like, I actually wrote this down. How much of the plot, in 30 minutes, your 30th anniversary, how much of the plot do you guys think you know of this movie at this point? Uh, I would say we know uh, approximately a third of this movie. Well, <laughs> I'm not talking mathematically, y'all. Uh, no, I, I, we have ideas, but, like, uh, so far a lot of them have been proven wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, like, I I didn't even go into this thing exactly realizing it was going to be a romantic comedy. I mean, I guess if if I'd sat down and thought about it, I probably could have worked that out. But like, what did you think it was going to be? I thought it was like just going to be a just slice like, of life kind of thing. Like a something that really just goes in depth to the pizza making business. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Like, I thought maybe it was going to be about them turning the pizzeria around, and it's just suddenly successful, and then they have to decide between, like, going big or selling out, that kind of thing. <laughs> I think, uh, I think, I, I don't, like, the plot hasn't really unfolded 
yet where we are in minute 30. So we're 30 minutes into this movie, and the plot... I don't know if it's just that we're watching it really slowly and we're not picking up <laughs> on what the plot is, but uh, it's so far, nothing has really unraveled. Like, we haven't even seen Vincent D'Onofrio again since... The like, bar scene. Oh, yeah, since the bar scene, and he wasn't even in that all that much. Well, I would assume that after we check in with Daisy and Charlie here, that's probably next on the list, I would guess. Yeah. Because we just came off of a... Uh, what's his face? Uh, Tim yeah. Travers. Yeah, Tim Travers. And Cat. And Cat. And they're at the house that Tim's building. And, yeah, then we go to Daisy and Charlie. And so, yeah, I guess next we're going to go to... Uh, uh, well, Jojo were, and Bill. There was that one scene where the the girls all got together and they kind of checked in with each other on the docks, mm-hmm. stole some beer. Now they're all off on their own with their respective men. But I, yeah, I think I pretty much guessed the plot uh, a little bit there when I said, uh, you know, Daisy and Cat are going to find each other. So that's like where their love story between them is really going to be. Yeah, because so they're both going to be let down by these men that they just met. We have theories, but like we we are not 100% sure where it's going. Yeah. And then Jojo and Bill, they were getting married, but she fainted. Like, I bet they'll get married. But yeah, so they're probably going to get married, or at least set, because, like, set the date by the end of this movie. Yeah, you don't start a, uh, like a movie with a failed wedding and then don't like tie that knot by the end. Uh-huh. You know? <laughs> Pun intended. Yeah, no, yeah, <laughs> sort of. What if, uh, what if at the end they're getting married and like something else happens, like... Like, he throws up or something. What if, what if uh, instead, they, they're all broken up, and then they have... I might have already suggested this in a previous episode, actually, because it sounds familiar, but maybe they all just marry themselves. You know? <laughs> they're like, oh, we learned to love ourselves, so like I'm marrying myself. Let's have a triple marrying ourselves wedding. <laughs> and they get married at Mystic Pizza. Yeah. And uh, Conchata Farrell is, like, the officiant, or yeah. officiator. Mm-hmm. Uh, officiasaur. The Officiosaur, I think that's the... Officiosaurus uh, Rex. (laughs) But, um, yeah, that's basically all I have for this minute. Uh, Does anybody else have anything? No, I ran through the Charlie is a murderer theory. How about you? That's it. That's it. Curious what happens. That's it. All right, we'll see you uh, next time, people. Hopefully our next scene will involve some uh, Vincent D'Onofrio and we can really get down on that guy because, man, I've been just holding back a whole lot of thoughts that I've been having about Vincent D'Onofrio lately and just to be able to expel them onto everybody in the world's ears uh, would be uh, one of the highlights of my life. All right. (laughs) And uh, that should do it for the Mystic Pizza Minute. Uh, Thank you, Marshall Bruno, for showing up again. On uh, short notice, too. Yeah, thanks, guys. Yeah, I just called Marshall up today. I was like, hey, buddy, what are you doing? You want to come <laughs> over and do an episode? <laughs> he was like, sure. Do I have to wear pants? I was like, nope. That is what I said. But then well, my that's girlfriend, why he's not wearing pants. Well, yeah, my girlfriend said I should wear pants, and I said, <laughs> fuck you. And now I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, yeah, thank you to Steve Richardson, our editor slash producer slash uh, the wheel steel driver. And uh, Bungler does our music. Thank you, Bungler, and uh, thank you, listeners. And Steve, put a put a robot voice on this. <laughs> or maybe cut that out. <laughs> your, call, your call, Steve. <laughs>